Trader Movies. This is a very sophisticated movie podcast by two guys who used to date and now they don't. I'm one half of your sophisticates, Matthew Fisher. And I am the other half of your sophisticate tomato, <laughs> Ryan Whedon. And we are here. Well, I don't know why we're here. Why are we here? I don't know. This is episode 101. Yeah. We were coming back from a pretty big break. Our biggest break. Before we make it big. <laughs> A hundred episodes is a good, healthy number of episodes to take a substantial break at. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We retooled, we uh, rested up, we relaxed, and now we're ready for more. That was uh, me shedding the old skin, <laughs> putting on the new skin. You have to put on new skin? Mm-hmm. Don't you grow it naturally? That's why you shed the old skin? Oh, I've been shedding wrong. <laughs> you're like uh like a hermit crab or something that like gets rid of its shell and then like steals some other shell gotta find a new one yeah like you go into a shell and realize that there's still like a clam in there and you just like kill it fight it out yeah throw its carcass out and i'll probably eat some of it too once i move into the house (laughs) and then claim the shell for your own yeah matt i mean so look 101 101 not dalmatians not Degrees of separation from Kevin Bacon. I think any actor is probably 101 <laughs> degrees separated from Kevin Bacon. At least. Yeah, I, I would imagine that even community theater actors in uh, BFE, Nebraska, are 101 degrees separated from Kevin Bacon. BFE? Uh, but fucking Egypt. Oh. I didn't realize that uh, buttfucking Egypt was so uh, fundamental to our conversation that I needed a shorthand. <laughs> but continue, continue. Hey, you know, you know me. IUA. That's I use acronyms. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, I hate it here. <laughs> Having just finished a hundred episodes, what are some of your hopes? For this back 100. Well, I definitely want to stick it to you more often. Oh. I feel like I was really nice to you over this last 100 episodes. Lenient? Yeah. You know, for your own sake. Let you sort of coast on your laurels, your good looks, your charm. And I feel like these next 100, I'm going to be a a little bit more uh, uh, focused and determined on, you know... Proving you wrong, perhaps. Oh, okay. Um, Breaking me down emotionally. Yeah, I feel. I feel like we need to sharpen our teeth a little bit. We've mm. we've gotten along for too long, and I'm I'm hoping in these next hundred episodes that the teeth come out, uh, the gloves come off, and uh, the cordiality just melts away. Okay, so so we can skip banter from now on because that that was always just you know around so people would think we were friends. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, for the first 100 episodes, and I think they we even say this like in episode one or two or something like that, that, you know, part of the appeal of the show Friends was that everyone thought that the actors were friends in real life. Right. And I thought that maybe if people thought that we were friends in real life, that that would help. But I feel like for this second 100 episodes that we should take a different approach. We've and- either A, established that we're friends, so great, that's accomplished, or B, people don't care. I want people to think that we despise each other oh. and that we never see each other outside the confines of the podcast. Okay. That we don't talk beforehand. We set up the recording equipment in silence. Wow. Oh. No eye contact. 
uh, from our respective toilets. Uh, and then when the the stop button is hit, we're just done. Mm. You just leave. Recording mm. equipment still all set up. Wow. And then and then I come and get it the next day when you're at work. Right. You br- that I, like I've had to replace like nine windows because of the rocks that you throw. Yeah. Well, you, that's why you got to leave the key under the mat for me. <laughs> well, I leave the windows open for you, and then you just throw it through another window. <laughs> it's funny. All the glass was on the outside. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i got it's like mirror universe x-rated movies mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i'm gonna grow a, a weird goatee mm. and uh yeah everything i th- that you think i'm gonna like i'm not gonna like yeah no i like I, i'm i'm three moves ahead of you on your little chess scheme mm, here this should be fun so it's a wonderful thing to hope <laughs> for man <laughs> Uh, what about you, Ryan? What are your hopes and dreams for the next hundred episodes? Well, I really hope to subject you to more cinematic punishment because oh. I really enjoy uh, seeing you squirm. But I also hope to maybe discover some gems that we haven't, that we both don't know. It's always fun to find new things about movies that I've already seen and mm-hmm. also find new appreciation for things. Yeah, I would definitely say that some of the most rewarding podcasts that we've done have been on movies where we've both seen them before, but really, once we analyze them, we see them in a different light, or while talking about them, we sort of talk each other into an excited frenzy about yeah. it. You know, uh, Bound definitely comes to mind when I think of that, so... Sure, sure, sure. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so... I don't know. I mean, I plan on also bringing in more game shows... Of course, we're gonna of have course. more games. This is this is my my slow evolution of turning this podcast into a game show. You gonna bring back the buck? We're gonna have bucks. We're gonna have wheels. We're gonna have. Don't hold me to it, but a plinko style game. Whoa! You must have started work on that board already. <laughs> I'm not. Uh, I don't want to give away too much, but um. Well, I have uh also games in mind. Oh. Uh, a horseshoe type game, okay. uh, a pachinko style game. So I also have ideas that I think of in pairs of three. Well, great. <laughs> I'm excited to see what what you've come up with. <laughs> Heather, can you lower the screen? I'm tired of looking at that. <laughs> Thank you, Heather. <laughs> I also wanted the screen down. <laughs> <laughs> Today's movie is the romantic French gay film from 2016 with the terrible title, Paris 559, Theo and Hugo. Yeah, that was a terrible name. Oh, it's terrible. I don't think that uh, we mentioned that we were going to be doing this at the end of our double feature. That's true. So this is probably a surprise to you, listener. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And uh, I started... Episode one off with a French artistic gay movie, and I kind of wanted to do something a little similar this time around. Oh, I mean, were you really consciously thinking that? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. But this one, uh, less artistic, more romantic. Yeah. I think with Beau Travai, we collectively really didn't understand that it was supposed to be 
as gay as it was until the very end, yeah. like the dance sequence at the end. Yeah. Which there is no mistaking the gay in this one. <laughs> no, it's hard to uh, make an argument that this is not a gay movie when uh, the first 20 minutes are a gay orgy mm-hmm, mm-hmm. with tumescent cocks out the wazoo. Uh, I mean, these dicks aren't even hard. They're full mast. Like yeah. they're upright when yeah. these people are standing. It's a feast for the eyes. Like their their level of, of arousal is one that I don't meet often these days. <laughs> it borders on pornographic. The first time I saw this borders. <laughs> Where's your border? <laughs> the first time I saw this, I was like, "Wow, this is just still going on." You're, you're like, Alberta borders on Canada. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't throw it quite in pornography because it's not like. The scene itself isn't just an end unto itself. It's a setup for the rest of the movie. So? So the movie actually happens after the 20-minute sex scene, which is just really there to get butts in seats, let's be honest. So for you, a porno would have to have the, the orgy at the end of the movie, like it's leading up to the orgy? Yeah. That would make it porno? Mm, yeah, if that's what was like... It was. If that was the hinted at the entire time climax of the film, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. See, I feel like it's a porno if it resembles, if it has like Cinemax style softcore in it, mm-hmm. and this has that. Yeah, I mean, we see dicks and mouths. Yeah. yeah. No, it looks like he actually sucks that guy's dick. No, they they do, and and both. I mean, it like goes back and forth. Like we see Theo suck Hugo, and Hugo suck Theo. Mm-hmm. We don't actually see like genitals going into butts or anything like that but it seems like that's happening on the periphery yeah (laughs) possibly yeah also it's filmed really like artistically you know it's not just like fluorescent lighting uh on a set no like it's like it's all reds blues whites and blacks and that's all those are the four colors you get in this did you dislike the scene the opening scene were you upset that it started with pornography this is like the best part of the movie okay (laughs) like i just felt like the movie lost a little steam after this part okay 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 no it seemed to accurately represent the inside of a bathhouse the guys were a little bit hotter than you know this is like what you hope for when you go to a bathhouse sure sure sure. see this is why i don't ever want to go in because like this is what i'm expecting yeah and i would just be so disappointed yeah um hold on let me grab my notes real quick which is the one that I thought was the hottest? Hugo was the one that I thought was the hottest. The the brunette, non-curly-haired. Yeah, the yeah. one with the more like slender visage. Interesting. I would have picked the other one for you. Still very hot. Still very hot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But uh, no, I thought that Hugo was hot, if not a little needy, because he was the one who afterwards when they're like bike riding was talking about oh i I felt like we weren't just fucking we were making love sure and i was like "Mm." (laughs) let me dial it back here i feel like he's just trying at that moment he was just kind of like trying to come up with conversation points at that point it's sort of that's really scraping the bottom of the barrel if you're talking about (laughs) like wow that random sex we just had was like making love Maybe that's uh, something in translation where it was more like, wow, I really liked fucking you. That was awesome. Uh, and even like the like most uh, uh, nondescript emotionless <laughs> word for fucking in French is still like 
passionate lovemaking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they they don't know how to like de-emote that word anymore. You just can't. <laughs> but yeah, so they leave this sex club, uh, and then they're just they're ready to hang out. They're ready to have more fun at four forty-five in the morning on a Monday. Charmed lives these boys lead. <laughs> But then they sort of like realize that, uh-oh, one of them's got the hiv. It's a little ambiguous at first because like the way that it kind of comes out, like I thought that it was the other one at yeah, first. I think it's supposed to maybe. Yeah, I, I think it, it is too. I love the French terms for these things, the passive one. Uh-huh. <laughs> and the situation was like, you made love to me without a condom? And I like that uh, the word for uh, like rubber in French is caput. <laughs> and they call it some HIV hotline. Mm-hmm. I don't know. They're like, what do we do? I slept with somebody who's got it. Yeah. Well, okay. So b- before we go through the plot too much. So this movie is um, partially an AIDS movie, but mm-hmm. I think it's like one that does it the way that I think is good. Okay. Also, it's very, it's, you know, a romantic movie a la say... Uh, before sunset yeah oh. weekend well before sunset because that takes place in paris was what i was thinking where mm. like I, I i promised myself i wouldn't say this but paris is like a third character in this film <laughs> this podcast over i'm just gonna disagree with you on that one <laughs> i don't think we get enough of paris to say that it's a character uh, but don't you just want to go there no and ride bikes on those paris streets uh, if it was with one of those two, yeah, specifically Hugo, but at four forty-five in the morning. No, I'm too old for that <laughs> nonsense. I don't we know. will ride bikes at three p.m. in daylight in fucking traffic. I'm with sure they have bike lanes everywhere. I'm sure they have bike lanes because I want to stop at a cafe and get mineral water when I'm done. I see. And there were bike lanes, just for the record, which is great. And that is another thing I really love about this movie which I'm going to get to. So there's like, there's, there's these two pillars of this movie that I really like. One is that it's an AIDS movie that deals with it in a very modern way. And also sort of, um, doesn't steal from the romance of it, which I think is great. Also, I think this movie really showcases something that I'm going to coin. I'm going to coin a phrase here. Oh boy. Um, hold on to your hats. The banality of civilization. (sighs) All right, Balzac. Uh, <laughs> why don't you go more in depth on that I one? I think one of the strengths of this movie is that it really shows how great living in a modern civilized society can be. They've got rent-a-bikes. They've got a public transit system that works. They've got a public health system where somebody can just come in and say, hey, I was exposed to this virus. Oh, we've got drugs for that. Uh, we'll take care of that for you. They've got all sorts of that stuff that just seems so casual to them. And I love that. Like, this is a world we could be living in. Yeah, I I did like that aspect of it to where it's like you're getting exposed to HIV sort of puts a damper on the night. But it's not like this game-changing, world-rocking, like, this is the end of, you know, this chapter of your life sort of thing. Yeah. It's like, oh, God, now we have to, like, do this instead of, like, going back to my place. Yeah. He eats a cookie, takes some pills, and it's like, well, I got to do this for the next couple of weeks, but I'm fine. Yeah. Yeah. I, I also liked it because even though they're having anonymous sex in the beginning of the movie, mm-hmm. there's still this, 
you know, uh, requirement that you be safe about these things that like, and that you know what you're getting into when you do these things. Yeah. Uh, I also like that it was the one who was positive that really took on the mantle of responsibility. Mm -hmm. He was the one that was like, I don't know, you got to get your ass to a hospital like and get on this stuff right away is like my viral load is undetectable and all that good stuff yeah but he's and like, i was the bottom and you were the top but there's still a chance you could get it yeah so uh they you... even like look up statistics when they're in the waiting room on it yep but uh which was all fine and dandy we've all been in that situation it's like oh god i had that skanky encounter with <laughs> whatever his name was now and you're just like relaying it while you're in that uh, waiting room. Yeah, which they show in the movie. There's that scene where Theo is walking or maybe as he's riding to the hospital to do it. And like it just shows like all these dudes in red light. But the way they're lit, it, they almost look like skeletons. And he's just sort of like remembering all these encounters that he's had. And he's like, is this like, have those been safe? Like, we don't know. But like. When, you know, whenever you go in for an HIV test, you're just, or STD test in general, you're forced to remember every encounter that you've had. Yeah. And it sucks. Yeah. Because <laughs> you're like, was it worth it? I don't even know. Yeah. And then, of course, like, right after the test, you're just like, well, I'm never doing that again. Yeah. Flash love, forward three weeks. I love also when they're in the doctor's office and he, like, sort of, like, fudges on his story he's sort of like uh uh the condom broke oh, which yeah. is like totally something you do once you're in the presence of a doctor like and we just didn't pull out and yeah no you're like no we were barebacking yeah. bareback fucking you in you a sex say, club <laughs> yeah you don't say that to the doctor of course you don't i like that that this movie shows that aspect of it too but like i'm glad you brought up weekend because there a lot of people compare this to the french weekend um which sounds like a sex move i don't know the french weekend yeah <laughs> it's where you use a baguette as a dildo <laughs> and then both make croissants the next day and it you know doesn't work and just makes a fucking mess <laughs> <laughs> and then you both argue about it <laughs> and then you have a bottle of wine and it's okay yeah <laughs> french weekend but i i can see that too like there is a uh, element of realism to this that i really appreciate like it all happens in real time which i don't think we've done a movie that happens in real time yet yeah nothing that comes right off to me yeah so the movie's like an hour 40 minutes it takes place over an hour and 40 minutes of their of their time which is uh going back to what you were saying about the hospital visit it's like it's an inconvenience you Mm -hmm. know it's not like a mood ruiner even it is a little bit but then they get their momentum back afterwards yeah it'd be like uh if you or I were on a date with someone and it was like going all well and then like they pulled out their MAGA cap, like that would be a bigger deal breaker, at least to me. <clears throat> yeah, definitely. Especially after we rented bikes together. <laughs> Shared this lovely socialist experiments on these, <laughs> you know, uh, city owned rent to bikes. Yeah. No, they'd be railing against them. That's that would be the first clue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> can't believe my tax dollars are going to these fucking bikes <laughs> i never use them <laughs> but therein lies i mean like that's the whole that's kind of the whole movie let's be honest like it's sex club it's a hospital visit and then it's sort of like romantic things after that yeah but like therein lies the problem for me mm. is we have this fantastic 20 minute opener that is a feast not only for the senses but uh also for the mind (laughs) 
And I really kind of honestly feel like the movie just loses steam immediately hmm. and is just pulling teeth to get to the next scene. Interesting. What would you like to have seen it do afterwards? I mean, it's hard to say. It felt melodramatic and also slight. It didn't have the charm or the whimsy of a before sunrise okay. situation. I didn't feel that they either of the leads really had enough of a definable personality to carry a dialogue-heavy movie. And it didn't strike me as particularly cinematic afterwards. A lot of just two shots. And I don't know, it just kind of felt like the camera was in place with two people talking with no real flavor or pizzazz after that. I think my next question for you then is, are you dead inside? (laughs) (laughs) Because that is not at all what I feel. Um, Okay. My heart soars as they're running around Paris with this faux 80s soundtrack. I love after the hospital happens and they're like, what are we going to do now? And it's like, I don't know. We just sort of turned the same way. I guess we're just hanging out. And they're like, let's go get some food. And then they run for it. And it's like they're running along the canal and there's like this huge tracking shot with the faux synth 80s music. And I know that there's lots of French New Wave movies where people are running through Paris. But, um, I don't know. It still doesn't cease to... I'm glad you acknowledged that for me. (laughs) It doesn't, like, uh, take away from that sense of romanticism for me. I also feel that, like, even though their dialogue and what they're talking about isn't maybe as snappy and um, coded as, like, before Sunset is I still get the same feeling from them. Mm, mm. Uh, Like, for instance, there's some growth on Hugo's part where when they're in the waiting room, there's that old man who turns out to be a shithead. Yeah. But, uh, you know, at first Theo's like, well, maybe we should have chatted with him. Maybe he's just lonely. I mean, it turns out Hugo's thoughts were right. The guy was a jerk. But, like, later they sort of, like, chat a little with the Syrian guy at the falafel place um, and learn you know, a little bit. And then also that's mirrored one more time when they're on the subway with that old lady who works as a maid. Mm-hmm. Like they just sort of like are quiet during that scene and let her do the talking. Um, and rather than be like, shut up, we're like <laughs> on a date. They're just sort of let her talk. And it is sort of like this nice, I don't know, just sort of slice of life. Yeah. I mean, it, it is a slice of life, like a dull life. <laughs> But he's learned to, uh, you know, kind of listen. I think that's that's a decidedly European trait that, like, hush everybody. A, a withered old person is talking. <laughs> no, yeah, she doesn't have anything interesting to say. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm not saying that, but um, I just like that growth in him rather than, like, he's learned since being with Theo rather than to be, like, uh, you know. Instead, he's he's, like, giving into those romantic elements of himself and being like, maybe she does have something interesting to say, even though she doesn't. (laughs) Um, And so that like whisks me along. I mean, there is that element to it, but I think in order for it to really 
have romanced me, someone would have had to have said something insightful or enlightening. And I didn't get that from any of these like little bit characters. Mm. I, I will agree with you that it takes a while to learn anything about them. Cause we don't really know much about either character until after they get out of the hospital. A little bit. Like we get hints of how, you know, they're reacting under pressure, which arguably like tells you more about a person than anything else. Mm -hmm. But there's not a lot to these characters, I feel. Like, they weren't fully fleshed out or really developed. And when it's centered so intimately on two leads, I struggle with it a little bit. I mean, you love your slow-moving, sexy French movies. Uh, you know, Stranger by the Lake. Yeah, I was gonna, well, I was going to say, I was just about to compare it to that. Like, what do we know about Franck? We don't even know what his job is in that movie. That, well, doesn't he work with, like, vegetables? Well, that's all we don't know. <laughs> we are like, was he a grocer? I don't remember. Uh, I guess we kind of know their jobs in this movie. And we know their hopes. But there's a... With, with Stranger by the Lake, there's, you know, a level of mystery, a level of intrigue. And it invites the audience to sort of fill in the gaps. You know, uh, was it Michelle in mm -hmm. Stranger by the Lake? You know, we don't know much about him, but... That's what makes him mysterious and intriguing is that we think we know what he's capable of, but we're not sure. Mm -hmm. Whereas this one is just like, we don't know anything about these characters and it's just, you know, a blank piece of paper. Like that's, we don't really have anything else to go on. Like, do we know what these two do for a living? Yeah. One is a clerk oh, at a lawyer's office who's right. hoping to be a notary. And the other is a student who wants to travel the world. How romantic. I know. <laughs> but you know that's like a problem if he does end up being hiv positive so it's like mm -hmm. that he's that's partially why he's scared you know like that is a complicating thing if you want to go do like uh you know peace corps or something like that yeah like ha you know if you're going to go to these places that are underdeveloped like you have to get six months worth of medication or something like that so like that's a reasonable reason to be upset about the whole situation mm -hmm. so we know that about them I don't know. It's just like, hand me a card or something. <laughs> Maybe it's just because the movie started out so strong. Mm -hmm. Like, the bathhouse stuff is a lot of fun. Like, not only because there's dicks at full mass, but it's colorful. And I feel like that's where the director's passions were as well. Like, he really wanted to direct it dynamically. And it's like a duo of directors. Oh, is it? Yeah. Okay. I, oh, that's right. Because I looked up both of them. Like, neither of them had, like, done anything else. I don't know. It... That the opening scene, because it's it's so dynamic and so fun and so engaging, and then the rest of the film just seems so straightforward. But I think that's why I like it is because it's not about the sex. It's like hinting that they have a connection beyond that, um, which is what makes it romantic. I don't know. Hugo seemed like kind of a cock slut. Like, <laughs> I think he liked Theo's cock, and like that's where everything was stemming from. Yeah, maybe. I mean, we haven't really talked about how that first orgy scene sort of plays out, but there is, like, a story that happens in that scene where it's like, we start off with some old dude who, at first I was like, oh, I guess this is one of the main characters, comes down, sees Theo, and is like, yeah, I want that. Goes over to Theo, touches him, and Theo's like, no thanks. And then that's when you realize, like, oh, no, that's our guy. Mm -hmm. And he's watching hugo 
going at it with some dude and he at first he tries to go in and join the the two of them and the other guy not hugo is like no thank you so he just picks some other random dude and sort of like start messing around with him next to them and then that's how theo and hugo meet it's like two reciprocal doggy styles happening (laughs) yeah it's and it's almost sort of like calculated in a way that i don't like (laughs) where he's like i'll just fuck this guy until uh hugo notices me and then uh then i can go fuck him that'll work (laughs) like what happened to that dude (laughs) don't leave him hanging yeah he's got needs too that's not cool theo theo but I don't know. I like the idea of starting off with sex. Like get it's sort of like, you know, the Dan Savage saying fuck first, get it mm-hmm. out of the way and then you can have your romance afterwards. Mm-hmm. And I think that's sort of what this movie does. It sort of like gets because they fuck first thing. Like that happens 15 minutes in the movie, spoiler alert. Mm-hmm. Um and then it sort of like deals with the fallout of that because you know, if you think of like a straight movie, a romantic movie, it usually starts with uh you a know. chance encounter. Yeah, and then like it's all this build up until they finally have sex. Whereas like in the gay world, which is how it happens a lot, you fuck first or very shortly after meeting, and then it's like you build your relationship after that. Mm-hmm. And so that's what this movie does is or that's the structure of this movie anyway. And um it also it just, you know, acknowledges the fact that like when gay people have sex, sometimes there's HIV involved and then you have to deal with that. Um, but that doesn't mean that romance between these two is dead because it can still continue on after that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like HIV nowadays, if like if you live in, you know, a, a blue bubble where <laughs> they actually care about your health and well-being and you can get access to prevention for treatment and things like that uh, or treatment as prevention, I think is what the kids are calling it these days. Okay. Then, yeah, it's like, I don't know, it's it's almost like any other STD that you can just like you know go to the clinic and get a shot of something and then you'll be fine yeah you know just keep your dick dry for a week that said there is a line where hugo says something where people say don't live with you say you're supposed to live with it and i i don't i say live against it and but before he says that he's like you know it doesn't affect me every day but it's like even though i'm undetectable it's there Mm -hmm. and i think about it Mm -hmm. often and uh you know that's how it is with me like it doesn't affect my everyday life but like i think about it mm-hmm. and it's there and then, so you know it in a way it is still yeah it's like me and the ice in my freezer <laughs> like the i gotta defrost it one of these days because it's just can't put my meat in it the way that i used to it's there and you think about it yeah often often <laughs> But I don't know. I like that it just like tackles those issues. And like for me, it do- they don't need to be necessarily fully developed to bring that. No, they don't need to be fully developed. But there wasn't the same sort of charm necessarily that I think that because this is a romance was sort of aching for. It's like charm or complex depth is sort of needed when you have a romance. Uh, at least a romance of this type where it's like chance encounter over one night, like a romance that, that spans decades or something. You don't necessarily need charm or, or too much depth because you're like seeing the progression of one. Mm-hmm. But like, if you're just sitting with like two characters for 90 minutes and 90 minutes of their own life, I kind of feel like they got to have something winning about them other than how pretty they are. Mm, I could maybe see that. Yeah. Like, 
there is an element of this that it's like it was love at first sight yeah kind of thing and that is a little cloying i can i could see that although i do remember one year at hump the amateur porn film festival i don't remember which year this was but there was two sort of older gay guys like middle age i'm gonna say at the time that the the film went out it was like they'd probably be deep 40s and they were talking about how they actually met in a bathhouse like in the mid 80s oh wow and it was sort of like this movie in the hump videos like the two real people talking and then it would cut to a reenactment with them talking about how they met over it okay but it's like you could also tell that these people have been together for like 26 years because of like the way that they bicker like you never remember this right (laughs) but it wasn't totally unlike this it's like it may not have been a bathhouse it may have been like an adult bookstore which had sort of a same function back in those days yeah but it was like private room they met they had sex and then they just started like talking about non-sexual stuff like once they were done having sex and they've been together ever since yeah and i was thinking of that a lot while watching this because like at least the way that they said it in the hump video was like both their first time Mm. like going to that sort of location and that they never went back after that but uh so they say but yeah i don't know i got i got that kind of vibe like it didn't strike me as unbelievable that like you could sort of have that almost love at first sight in a sex club mm-hmm. you know as outlandish as that may sound no I, and and that's something i like about this movie is that like you know we talk about queer films in like would this work if you switched it to a straight narrative Mm-mm. and there's nothing about this is a 100 percent queer movie there's nothing that you could uh flip-flop heter- into heterosexuality to make it work there's just no way the yeah. only women in it are the ones who are fucking working at that hospital. Yeah, the nurses and the receptionists. And and then that old maid. Yeah. <laughs> Literally, she's a maid. Uh, I mean, that that is sort of a good point. Like, you know, one of the things that I always look for in a gay movie is if you could make it straight. And, I mean, what's an instance where two straight people have sex without even knowing each other's names? Like, you could say have them hook up at like a bar or something like that. But even then there's sort of like an element of like flirting and like getting to know each other, maybe a little bit first. And there's certainly not the same element of like hooking up in a bar as there is going to a sex club. Yeah. And also I don't, well, I don't know ladies chime in yeah. but i don't imagine a lot of ladies are like let's just hang out at 4 45 in the morning in the middle of these city streets like that really seems like a male privilege to be honest <laughs> like they're just running around they're even like holding hands and touching each other in a way that it's sort of like no one's gonna fuck with them because it's paris in 2016 yeah i don't know because I, I have friends that live abroad and they say that because they live in countries that don't have as many guns as America has uh-huh. that they actually kind of feel safer like walking around at like two, three in the morning. Oh, that okay. I have one friend that like lives in Tokyo and she's like, I walk home two, three in the morning. I never feel unsafe. Hmm. And she goes, I like come here for like a week and like it gets to be like 9 PM and I'm like, okay, I need an escort now. Yeah. America is a very angry place. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I don't know. I think maybe like France has a different focus than we do mm. in that regard. Mm-hmm. I mean, like you know, Paris is the city of love, quote unquote. And I thought so, it was the city of angels. That's Los Angeles. I thought 
it was the Big Apple. That's New York. I thought it was the Windy City. That's Chicago? I thought that was the Big Easy. Oh, that's you. (laughs) (laughs) I hope you got that dumb Ching ready. (laughs) So yeah, it's easy to fall in love in Paris. And I, I don't know. I feel like this movie sets it up so that they kind of show that it is easy to do that. Yeah. And I don't know. I kind of feel like, especially as it's, you know, this movie takes place over the course of a hundred minutes, like falling in love and lust can be kind of the same thing. Like at least for two hours. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Although like there is, there was one thing that was a little annoying to me and I understand why they're doing it, but it also like, I don't know, maybe it's because I'm old, but like at the end when they're finally like they get to Theo's apartment and they're hanging out there and then he's like, bye. (laughs) And then he comes back and it's like, come to my place. And it's like, you were on your way to your place an hour ago. (laughs) And now it's like, why don't you just stay the night there? I understand like Hugo is maybe older than Theo. So I kind of understand the idea of like, let's go back to my place. It's a little more comfortable than your pull out futon you've got here. But at the same time, it's like, really? You're going to jump back on the metro for another four or five stops? It's just like, dude, crash there. I mean, you know, uh, people who know me even modestly well know that, like, if I get home and I'm in PJs, that's the end of the night. Yeah. And he was naked. (laughs) Which is the next best thing to PJs for me. (laughs) What's his name? Uh, Theo lives in a, a maid's chambers. And it looks like it's 24 square feet. It was cozy, as a realtor (laughs) might say. 1,200 a month. (laughs) Must make nine times rent. Yeah, I was like, where's his bathroom? Is this one of those things with the bathroom down the hall? Oh, like an apodment? Yeah, he definitely doesn't have a kitchen in that thing. Yeah. He had a guitar, a futon, and a bookcase, and a window. That was it. What all do you need, man? (laughs) Okay, Those I'm romantic. Are the essentials. I'm happy to be a romantic, but like Jesus. <laughs> He's gl- give me a toilet. I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad I, I have to go to Matt's place every time. <laughs> I'm glad I've aged out of sharing a toilet with strangers. <laughs> yeah, that used to be an acceptable way to live. Oh Jesus! Yeah, like dorms and stuff. <laughs> I want oh. my own toilet. <laughs> Why well, I, I remember, you know, being 18, 19, 20, you know, living with in a disposable house with like, you know, six roommates. I mean, it wasn't uncommon to like wake up, go to the kitchen and like have a stranger in your yeah. living room. Yeah. And you just have to roll with it. You're just like, hi, who are you? <laughs> I mean, even that's a little intrusive. <laughs> oh, you'd just be like, good morning. <laughs> tip my cap yeah. your, your nightcap it's like a scrooge <laughs> style i don't know what your pjs look like <laughs> i put on more clothes to go to sleep it's I like see. spats monocle tails. this is my sleeping overcoat <laughs> wait can we talk just for a minute more about my coined phrase of the banality the of, of civilization, civilization. <laughs> just rolls right off the tongue doesn't it <laughs> anyway i love all the things that they take for granted about living in a city. They've got, well, first of all, homosexuality is just fine. They've got a public transit system that gets them where they need to go. They've got rent-a-bikes. 
They've got all the HIV medication stuff at the hospital. It's like stuff like that to me is how society should be. I mean, they live in France. It's this, you know, overlord socialist paradise. I'm sure that sex club was on the state dime. <laughs> you, uh, you don't. Everybody even... is entitled to sex. <laughs> we will make these sex clubs. <laughs> sex Open is a guaranteed right. <laughs> sex to everyone and every person. Viva la sex. <laughs> And a baguette in every home. <laughs> a baguette in every home and a caput on every dick. Yeah. <laughs> That's what uh, Francois Macron ran on. That was his platform. So. But don't you want that here? Like, yeah. I don't know. I think about I mean, Seattle our, and how, like, we are a progressive city, but we're so backwards in comparison to this. We're, we're catching up. Like, you know, light rail was a good first step. Yeah. It, it's got to get bigger. It's got to expand. It's got to go more places. But that was a good first step. Agreed. Washington as a whole is at least leaning towards trying to get people health care in timely fashions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we openly accepted, you know, the Medicare expansion. We have the Apple plan as part of Obamacare and things like that. Uh, I get my prep for free. So, But even the way they just dealt with it in this movie where she's like, can I get your name and then your insurance card if you have it? Yeah. <laughs> she was just sort of like, if you don't, we're still going to treat you. Doesn't yeah. matter. Like that sort of mentality and like the zero judgments that the doctor, I don't know what she is, nurse, practitioner gives them. She's just sort of like, who is on top? What's the situation? How did you guys fuck? I will say, uh, when I when I had to like move doctors recently, and uh, <laughs> like I, I went in for like some preliminary tests, and uh, the nurse practitioner was like, uh, "So, what kind of doctor do you want? Like, ma- male, female, gay, straight?" Like, he, he didn't have to go too far into my history to find that one out. I was like, "Well, I mean, are you allowed to say that?" <laughs> he goes, "Not really." I was like, "I mean." gay preferred because like i don't want to have to explain what a top and a bottom is to like some doctor who doesn't know sure that's very helpful to not have to go through that yeah she didn't care in this movie she was just like all right great well i don't need the details i just really need to know like uh how exposed you were i'm still gonna give you the pills probably anyway Mm -hmm. and uh guess what you don't have to pay anything probably that makes so much more sense to me in a healthcare situation where it's like, it doesn't matter if you can pay or not. Like mm-hmm. we should be helping everybody. If we have the ability to help someone in a situation like that, they should get that help. Like, I don't understand why it has to be a money issue because mm-hmm. then it becomes a privilege. Mm-hmm. Like healthcare is not a privilege. It's a right. Mm-hmm. It just like speaks to this utopian part of me. That's like, this is how things should work. You know? I mean, France solves all their problems by throwing money out. They put out fires with money. <laughs> Throw some frogs on it. Uh, that will put it out. Hey, use a croissant. Pour out its wine. It is a rat cut anyway. But it just, I don't know, I watch this and I just, I don't know, I, I just can't imagine a similar story being told in America. Mm, yeah, I Maybe don't know. Maybe New York, I don't know. But like, we're just not at that level. No. Here in Seattle. No, we're definitely not. I mean, we're close to here in Seattle. Like, uh, As soon as we get a 24-hour kebab place, 
then we'll know we've made it. Oh, I mean, if Seattle is lacking in one thing, it's late night eats. I want to be able to get a fucking chicken kebab at 4.30 in the morning. Yeah, it's like, if it's 2.30 in the morning, there's very limited food selections in <sighs> Seattle. It's like, you can go to IHOP, you can go to Glow's, and maybe there's some food trucks out and about, and that's it. Yeah. Like, you're not getting food otherwise. Oh. You gotta go to the Shell station or something and then, like, pick through their beef jerky <laughs> chip dregs. That's not food. That aspect of this movie also is very exciting and enticing to me. Getting a kebab at four in the morning yes. was more arousing <laughs> than the sex club scene. I mean, I jerked off through that whole scene, <laughs> even while he was talking about war in Syria. Jerking off to that jerk chicken. Yeah. Did it upset you as much as it upset me that they threw away the food that they didn't even eat? <laughs> That's privilege, man. <laughs> that, that's what these white bastards in France do. They I can't even... wait to have, live in a society where I can just buy something and then throw it away without even barely touching it. Uh, some French government worker probably came in and like salvaged the food and sent it to some third world nation. <laughs> it is good. It was rejected <laughs> by a first worlder. That upset me. That part was very upsetting. Yeah. I mean, if you're like me, like, you cannot throw away perfectly good food. Like, you have to put it in your fridge until it rots before and then you, you throw, throw it away. It away. Yeah. That's the proper way. Yeah. Anyway, I don't want to sound like a huge Francophile. Um, I am American, damn it. But, I mean, you are a Francophile. Like, your degree is in French literature. Yeah. I mean, a little bit. I like Europe a lot. They, they got things working out there in But, some I mean, ways. you obviously chose French over... I don't know, German. Yeah. You chose Satra over Goethe. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, that's what I was going to say. Okay, so with this uh, banality of civilization. Oh, God, I thought we had fished away from that. But... No, we're here. We're almost there. Um, they're, they're, they have that discussion about Balzac slash Moriac and... Uh, Moriac, I'm sorry. Hugo is like... Here's why I like Balzac. It's not just family dramas, but it's also like, you know, finances and politics and all these things that are uh, things we don't mention, but are essential to society. And like, he, I don't think that line would be in there if if they weren't trying to emphasize the fact that like Paris in general and the, and the things that they are taking advantage of every day are also part of this so it's like you wouldn't be able to have this romantic encounter if it weren't for all of these modern conveniences you know what i mean mm -hmm. um and so i think there's there's something in this movie that's sort of like tipping its hat to the idea that like modern civilization is partially what makes gay romance possible yeah i can buy that that being able to i don't know express yourself is uh in its own way uh, a privilege yeah that yeah living in a society where you don't need to repress yourself so and that's why i think maybe the syrian guy is in there like is to maybe oh. forces our characters to realize their privilege oh uh, yeah a little i can bit. see that yeah i also find that you know not to be the old man yelling at a cloud who's laughing now <laughs> <laughs> it, shut up! I do feel that one of the downsides of this younger generation being able to come out so easily is that 
they don't even like realize or appreciate what it was like in a time before that when like people really hated you you know yeah i definitely remember my first pride parade had some protesters at it there was like a healthy sized group of uh religious activists well it was the 70s (laughs) hey grandpa you know (laughs) any old joke you make at me we're in the mirror universe now (laughs) i make the old jokes here (laughs) This truly is the darkest timeline. <laughs> no, no, and I agree. And I think that like both of these characters are supposed to be pretty young. And so I think that's sort of like a statement that this movie is making. Yeah, that, I'm like, getting like 25, like, ceiling. Yeah. yeah, like they're both still talking about their dreams about their life and not like, yeah, which God, you I and I realized. never do. <laughs> I have <laughs> not you realized. And I are just like... <laughs> we are definitely like kitchen sink drama people. <laughs> We have no hopes or dreams mm, anymore. Mm, 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 mm. If I got in a situation like this, I'd be like, are you kidding me? Our dream is to get a bigger TV. <laughs> I'm like, why are we up so late? <laughs> I know. Oh, it's 1130. <laughs> I better get going. God, I would never experience this because I would be in bed. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's sort of fun to think back at a time when I would be out till like five in the morning. I mean, okay, let's make this the final point. It's like, I think that that's why this movie snuck up on me mm. is that it really captures that feeling that I used to have of like meeting somebody at the bar, staying out till two and then staying up late afterwards. Like even if we just like walk to their house and not getting there till like three or, you know, after hours parties, things like that. Like it really makes me feel that way again even if like this isn't actually representative of any sort of experience that i've ever had but it makes me feel that way again and that's something i like about this movie see i still definitely subscribe to like the nothing good happens after two (laughs) philosophy like if you're hanging out with someone and it's like 2 30 it's like it's only downhill from here really like if you're not already like agreeing to have sex like it's probably not gonna happen and oh just thinking about it makes me exhausted (laughs) well i enjoyed plenty of times in my life after 2 a.m and this movie kind of reminds me it was usually already like the ball was already rolling at like 130 yeah like the 130 to 2 i mean you know better than i would but 132 that's like the magic hour (laughs) like yeah it's either gonna either the spell's gonna get cast or you're gonna be left in the dust yeah I, i guess i will say that um didn't have a lot of fun in that 4.30 to 6 o'clock range that this movie takes place in. If birds are chirping and things haven't gone your way, you need to just call it quits. Go home, guys. Go yeah. watched this movie about a year ago and um was it snuck up on me i, I remember was, you talked about it i was fully prepared then. to hate it uh as i was watching it because like i love to hate watch gay movies like mm. let's not kid ourselves and uh this one was a, a surprise for me this one was like you know i actually like this for various reasons it's romantic it deals with hiv in a very modern way and um it's sexy and for me i really liked it okay you don't have to and I won't. Well, fine. 
hey, I told you it's gloves off this next hundred episodes. <laughs> this next two and a half years, it's no more hand holding. Well, great. What do we got next episode? You know how I was talking about how I want to really stick it to you? Yes. This whole season, I'm going to pick movies that you are just wrong about. Oh, Father. You're so wrong. Ah! You know, I like you. I respect your opinion. Sometimes you're just wrong. And uh, it's taken me a while to collect up a a good list of, of movies that are, you know, universally one thing and you think the other. Okay. And, uh, you know, it's really taken me about two and a half years. Not that I thought of this, like, on episode two or something. (laughs) um, Like, I need to start taking a list. (laughs) Yeah. Because it's so rare when Ryan is wrong. (laughs) But, uh, no. So, I want to stick it to you a little bit and make you, hopefully, reassess your opinions. Okay. I'm game. I pride myself on being able to admit when I'm wrong. So, I'm I'm, I'm willing to (sighs) reevaluate. We're going to test that limit. Yeah. Let's see if I can do four for four. I'm ready. Next week, we're doing a movie that, especially amongst young gays or, or even ones your age, uh-huh. really appreciate <laughs> a single man. Okay. Yeah. I am Tom on... Ford, Colin Firth, Julianne Moore with all of her orange tree goodness. <laughs> I'm on record as not liking this movie. Yeah, I know. And it boggles my mind. I haven't seen it since the theater, to be honest. Yeah. So that was, what, nine, ten years ago? I was going to say, it's, I think it's t- 2009. It's been a while. Yeah. Uh, I'll be interested to see what y- how you're going to argue for it. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Okay. 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 I'm very okay. curious. Oh, I'm liking this. Getting warmed up already. <laughs> Plug or drunk, get the fuck out of here? Yes. Follow us on Twitter, at X-Rated Movies. We're still there. We're still tweeting. Still believing. Don't tweet believing. <laughs> a lesser known Steve Perry lyric, but yeah, there you go. We're also available to take all of your emails at x.rated.movies at gmail.com. Operators are standing by. <laughs> yeah. Go to our website, xratedmovies.com. EX, in case we haven't made that clear enough mm-hmm. already. It's got literally everything we've ever done. All of our little side projects, our little one-off things bonus it's all content there. i mean everything you could even see pictures of what we look like rate us hot or not and don't forget to rate review and subscribe we love when, when you people leave, us, leave love. us love it's like riding bikes in paris at 4 30 in the morning when you leave us five stars or a review if you leave us a review, it's like getting a fucking kebab at 5 o'clock in the morning. And then, like, five stars and a review? Oh, jeez. That's like filling up your kaput. <laughs> at a sex club. <laughs> in Paris. Ah! Old gay Paris. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, keep reaching for that rainbow. Thank you for listening. Bye.